This is the Huddle. Every Thursday from noon to two. The Huddle. Welcome in to the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Tom Wassel, Jake Keeps, and Stacy Ross. We're going to be getting you guys ready for Seattle's upcoming game against the Buffalo Bills. They're first over there in the AFC West. But first, before we do that, we got to quickly recap the win over the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Seattle had maybe their most balanced game of the season, uh, Tom, Dave, and Jake. They were great on both sides of the ball. Obviously, another strong performance from Russell Wilson in this offense. But the defense holding the San Francisco 49ers offense and Jimmy Garoppolo to just under 130 net yards through three quarters. We know there was a fourth quarter issue. We know they gave up a lot of yards yards to Nick Mullins, but the important thing is they got out with the win. What kind of challenge, Dave, does Buffalo present specifically for Seattle's defense this week? Well, I just think when you're you're making mistakes and not playing together, pretty much everything. I mean, you know, obviously the the run defense is probably their their strength. That and the takeaways, you know, and that, those things have been. Have been good, but um, but yeah, you're going to struggle. I, I think going in against Buffalo, it's Josh Allen, and and we'll see how aggressive they are. He's a, he's a good running quarterback. He's a tough guy too. Actually, got a face masking penalty. And Brock talked to you guys about yesterday. I'll check that that out. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I I thought, and in the fourth quarter, there was a lot of complaints about well, they went back to their soft defense. What I saw was that they made a bunch of mistakes. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was like a guy not getting under, buzzing underneath the the receiver on the outside, you know, the outside receiver. What do we think fell apart then? Just Is it just you're tired? I mean, this is I don't know. three tough quarters. It's just, it's just errors that, you know, uh, like unforced errors where guys are jumping the guy in front of them instead of staying back and... So, yeah, it was just, it was more that, I thought. But, you know, Jake, I heard you say earlier in the week that, you know, their, whatever their prevent defense is or whatever they're running, they need to, you know, tear that up. I agree. And, you know, I just, here's the thing, you know, when you have like a situation like that, you end up running things that you don't work on all the time. You know, let's say it's a prevent defense. It's like, just run your defense, you know, but I'm not trying to be the D coordinator. I, I think more than anything, it was just a bunch of errors that they made in the fourth quarter. Right. I think Nick Mullins also is a pretty good quarterback, too. I mean, he beat the Seahawks a couple of years ago down there. 400-plus yards for him, too. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he's uh, – he, he's, but I, I think Josh Allen is definitely – a, uh, did I get his name right? Because I he hate did. it when I guys know, have two first this. names. Yes. The double yeah. first name. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Donald, Josh Allen. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I, I think he's a little bit more of a challenge than Nick Mullins. Dave, uh, it, it. Go ahead. It, it's in. It's interesting when you look at that situation, Dave, because for for me, I always am fascinated by defensive coordinators or defenses in general when they are so quick to play that prevent defense because the hardest thing for any offense, any offensive player, any quarterback, any offensive coordinator will tell you it's all about the first first down. Hmm. If it, it is the hardest thing about starting a two-minute drill. Once you get your first first down, then it becomes easier. Then the defense typically softens, and you're able to use your tempo. You're able to get things going. But it's that first first down that is always the challenge, and that's why you know to me, seeing them so freely and willingly give up that first one, uh, it, it uh, frustrates me from time to time, Dave. But you know, you look at this defense and what they were able to do against the 49ers, The real question becomes: Is that sustainable? Is that something that as they're 
you know, looking at the way that they can strategize and best utilize the guys that they have, is this the way moving forward, or was this just a one week? Hey, we we've got this opponent's number. Yeah, well, I don't think they're going to pressure Josh Allen as much. I thought it was wise to go after Jimmy Garoppolo because he's terrible when uh, he gets pressured, and we found that out in the Monday night game last year. They hit him ten times, five sacks, and he he was off in that game. So I, I think you know this is a different game, and you know I think Ken said this, Ken Norton, that look every week is different, and you'll have a different kind of game plan. But I just liked the aggression, and particularly Bobby Wagner was you know just incredibly aggressive attacking blockers making big hits i mean he had a huge hit on the goal line unfortunately that uh, the kid hasty leaned across and was able to stick the ball out and get a touchdown but he had a monster hit on that he knocked over a tackle and a running back on a blitz where he got a sack he's scrambling up to his feet to get that sack on garoppolo the second one i mean he was just all over the field and he looked angry to me and that's what uh, I, I think we're interviewing Jordan Brooks on our show, and I, I don't think I can be part of it, but that was my question uh, to him was, how angry are you? Because I want angry linebackers, and that's what you kind of saw out of uh, out of Bobby Wagner. I mean, he was fired up and ready to go out and be physical, and that was – I know they have a lot of injuries in San Francisco, but they've been playing really well. They beat the Rams. They beat, uh, you know, uh, who was the other uh, – they, they killed New England. So, yeah. I mean, they had been playing well, and so that was just because they were banged up and they lost their quarterback, I still thought that was a really key win. Are we thinking of calling linebacker anger the Wyman scale, maybe? Like, we'll consider it. Like No, where... I don't think we are thinking that, I think Stacey. I think we are, Dave. <laughs> I think we're going to be calling it the Wyman scale. Jordan, where are you on the Wyman scale in terms of just angry linebacker play? Are you yeah, an eight? There we go. Are you a 10? Just full Dave Wyman, full 10 on the anger scale. Um, now, the Seahawks will be getting reinforcements on defense. So you had a good performance, but a lot of those guys on the field were backups. You're getting Jamal Adams back this week. And cut to Carol asked uh, how he's been in practice. Um, he's practicing today. He's full go. I'm really excited to tell you that, that he's he's gotten all the way to the point. He was so close last week and would have had a chance last week. We couldn't quite get, it, get caught up, but uh, he's ready to go and pumped and we are too really looking forward to it and that's good news i think it'll be huge for them to get him back do you expect them dave to use him in exactly the same way they were at the start of the season i would think so but you know like we were just talking about every week is different and you know there's different things that they see that they want to get done um whether they bring him off the edge and and run blitz him and things like that where he's up on the line of scrimmage We'll see. I, the guy can make plays all over the field. So how, however that is will be interesting to see who, who they try to take away with Jamal Adams. But he certainly just brings a lot of fire to that defense. And, boy, it's been a long time since we've seen him out there. And, you know, this is uh, it's going to be exciting to get him back. You know, hopefully you'll have Carlos Dunlap at some point. Maybe they'll get Snacks Harrison out there. And then, you know, I've been saying that I think they have the talent to, to get it done, and they proved that the other day against the 49ers. You know, take away the, the fourth quarter stuff. Uh, man, they went like negative yardage in the third quarter. Yeah. Dave, Dave, you said before that you were worried that they weren't in prevent defense. It was just more that they were making mistakes. Is that what I heard? I was having some difficulty getting yeah. connected. I just want to make sure that's what you said. So if we're getting, uh, I guess, playmakers, guys like Dunlap and – Adams and whoever else coming back here, does that mitigate your concerns about that sort of thing happening in, in the fourth quarter? 
Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, it, a lot of it, and what Pete has been saying, and look, you know, I know, I always say, you know, these are things that just get said, and if you were a coach and you were asked to explain things, you, you don't want to, you're not going to tell everybody, you know, exactly what's going on, what's being said in the meetings and things like that, but what Pete has said is that they just need to play together more. So and we see offenses are definitely up, you know, it's it's a lot tougher on the defenses, and uh yeah, I was looking at some numbers the other day about third down percentage. Third down conversions are way up. You know, red zone efficiency is way up. I mean, the Seahawks are number one in red zone, 88%, and then it goes 79, 78, 77, 76. That's the next five. Last year, the best red zone number was 75%, which was Tennessee. So, yeah, they're just um, it's just a little bit tougher on the defenses right now, and I guess playing together is uh, is kind of what Pete has has said about it, and I'm taking his word for it. For anyone wondering whether or not you're going to be seeing Carlos Dunlap out there, I'll play you this one last bit of sound. The understanding is yes. Here's Carol and cut three. The good thing is, you know, he just took a week off, so he's he's been practicing, preparing, and playing games and all that. So no concern about anything other than you know how he handles the learning part of it, which he's a vet and he, and he already just getting through our first walkthrough, he handled everything just right. So. Uh, I don't see any restriction at all uh, on him playing this week. We'll find out during the week and, and all. But um, really excited to have him out here, and he's he's really pumped about being part of it. Dunlap was not listed on Seattle's injury report, which means presumably he was a full participant in practice, which is great news for Seattle. He's expected to play this Sunday. Also, you did have some names on there. Obviously, Chris Carson uh, and Carlos Hyde were still both sidelined, uh, but you also had Greg Olson sidelined. Quentin Dunbar, he got a resting veteran day. Uh, limited participant for DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jaron Reed, and Ryan Neal. John Boyle of Seahawks.com joins us next. We'll ask him about all those injuries. This is The Huddle. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to The Huddle with Tom Wassel, Dave Wyman, Jake Eaps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us right now is Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. John, first of all, how are you? I am great. How are you all? Good, good. Hope you had a good Halloween this past week. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and get started with some of the injuries. Now, obviously, uh, the good news is that Seattle's newest addition, Carlos Dunlap, looks like he was a full participant. He's not listed here at all. So no injuries for him coming in to uh, play for his new team. I think the one that people are going to be keeping their eye on this week, at least, is Chris Carson. Uh, where is he at in his recovery? Do you know? Yeah, you know, we're not going to know. I, I would be shocked if we know anything definitive on him until game day. What Pete Carroll said the plan is, is they're going to take a look at him Friday. They didn't specify that that even meant practicing Friday or just have him run and test it and see how it responds. But as always with an injury, whatever happens Friday, the real test is going to be what, you know, how does he feel on it Saturday and Sunday. So, uh, again, I'm, I would be pretty surprised if we don't see him as a questionable game day decision type heading into the weekend. and. Fingers crossed after that. The good news is it sounds like Travis Homer's getting healthier. You do have Alex Collins on the practice squad now, so you have more depth there than last week where you basically had one healthy guy and then Travis Homer was kind of an emergency guy behind DJ Dallas. Hey, John, uh, I, th- I was kind of entertained by uh, the little clip that we heard of uh, Carlos Dunlap. He said, that, you know, down here at the VMAC, I'm told it's called here, yeah. or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, directly got a chance to talk to him, but uh, what have you heard from Carlos Dunlap? Seems like a 
Seems like a good guy and uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously his track record on the field speaks for itself, and I think what you saw in that press conference and what you're going to see on the field is a guy who is very excited about this opportunity. Like he, he's had a great career in Cincinnati, but they haven't had a lot of team success there, and he's looking forward to a chance late in his career to, to be on a you know Super Bowl contending caliber team. And, you know, as he said himself, he wants to be that guy that helps the team get over the hump, and that's kind of what the Seahawks needed most was that edge rusher and if he can come be the player he's been really for most of the last decade, he's going to help this defense out quite a bit, and I think he's going to have a lot of fun being a part of this organization and, and this defense. John, uh, Bobby Wagner, uh, after post game, asked about his role and just said that he loved having the opportunity to blitz. It got brought up yesterday again and said, hey, I'm in favor of it any time. Uh, let's, let's, let's do more of it, essentially. Do you think that that is something that is a conversation that's going on between the coaching staff, between Bobby Wagner, between the players, just you know, really trying to figure out where this defense needs to go, what direction it needs to go in? Oh, for sure. And I mean, you're never going to find a, an off-ball linebacker that doesn't love blitzing like that. That's that's a fun part of the job for them. But obviously, he had a lot of success with it. I mean, four quarterback hits is a career high for him. Two sacks matched a career high. So. Um, as always with blitzing, there's a trade-off. You know, you've got less guys in coverage, so you're going to have to make sure you're doing a good job on the back end if you're going to keep doing that. But it seemed to work well. Now we're going to probably see when Jamal Adams gets back in there, more of him blitzing as well. So I don't know, you know, how that plays with with Bobby Wagner's blitz opportunities. But we we've seen this team be pretty aggressive at times pressuring, and I, I would guess going forward, you're going to hear Bobby Wagner asking Ken Norton Jr. to let him do more of that, and I don't see why you don't because it, it worked out pretty well last week. Do you think it's possible, John, that this year of all years, offense wins championships, just to be reductive about it, and that the Seahawks offense might be the best-suited offense to do that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I could see that. I think we're seeing offenses at a at a whole new level for a lot of reasons. They they seem to be calling fewer holding calls. I think the lack of crowds is helping offenses on the road, particularly third down type situations where it usually get loud. Um, and I do, you know, I that defense win championships cliche is true to some extent, and it exists for a reason. But there's, you know, I think you need to have a truly elite defense to to contend. You know, go back to 2013. You're talking the the highest scoring offense of all time in the Broncos, but the Seahawks had one of the best defenses of all time. I don't know how many defenses there are in the current NFL that are that caliber that can shut down a Kansas City Chiefs or Seahawks-style offense. So if the offense is just that much ahead of the defense, then yeah, I think offense can win championships, absolutely. John, the Seahawks made a couple roster moves here, uh, obviously releasing tight end Luke Wilson. Looks like they brought Michael Kendricks and running back Alex Collins onto the practice squad. Are we anticipating any more moves, whether it's Wilson to the practice squad or maybe Collins being activated? Yeah, I mean, I think Collins' situation will probably depend on the health of maybe Chris Carson and making sure Travis Homer is all right, but that would definitely be an option if you need more depth there. The other one to keep an eye on, Pete Carroll said Rasheem Green's got a good chance to get back this week. So they do have an open spot on the 53 right now, whether you want to bring up Rasheem Green, whether you think Damon uh, Harrison is ready to come up and, and off the practice squad and play. So, um, you know, one way or another, I would be surprised if we didn't see him fill that spot. You know, you mentioned Luke Wilson. That would be a candidate for the practice squad as well. They are pretty deep at tight end, but that's a guy that, you know can play for you and knows your offense really well, so he might be nice to keep around. So 
yeah, I, you know, they're not done one way or another because I don't think you go into this weekend with an open roster spot. So, you know, David Moore doing really well. I mean, it, he's kind of quietly become that number three, and maybe not so quietly. I mean, he's made some really good plays, and, you know, I know it was disappointing with the Philip Dorsett thing, but, you know, I said the same thing about Ethan Posick. If B.J. Finney, you know, provided the impetus to, you know, uh, push – uh, Ethan Posick to become, you know, the the starting center for the Seattle Seahawks. You know, I, I feel like, you know, maybe if, if you know if that happened with David Moore, it was worth it, man. He's uh, he's really been a guy who I, I think people have always kind of doubted him a little bit and sort of, you know, I don't know why he just doesn't seem to get the respect. But it seems like he's he's getting it this year. Yeah, I mean, he is having it. He gets a little overlooked because their first two receivers are yeah. having such ridiculous seasons. And in Lockett Metcalf, you kind of forget about the other guys. But he has been really solid. And it goes beyond. I mean, obviously, the big catches stand are what stand out. You know, the touchdowns, and he's had some great plays. But you, you look at what he's done as a punt returner, where he's not, you know, breaking touchdowns and all that, but he's been just making smart decisions, been really sure with the ball, and has had some nice returns that get you some field position and then last week with Travis Homer banged up he steps right into the kick return role so he gives you a lot of different things he's just he's just a really good football player you know he can get you some rushing yards on those jet sweeps he's he's just a guy that does a lot of little things well and he's, he's been a big part of this team's success John somebody else that brought a spark uh, in that 49er game was new new addition to the defense DJ Reed uh, coming off of coming off of uh, an injury, but man, he sure provided a spark, was was great in coverage, getting the interception, he was explosive, almost had a sack. What do you think it looks like for him as he's heading into this week? He, I know he showed up on the injury report, but seems to me that there's a serious competition now at that nickel cornerback position. I would think so. I mean, Ugo Amadi's played well there, but DJ Reed, he's a guy, I was kind of surprised when they added him coming off that peck injury with San Francisco at you kind of wonder if he played all this year, or if they were just kind of stashing him for a guy they think can help him down the road. And every time Pete Carroll's talked about him, they've just been so excited about, you know, the, the versatility, what he can bring as a pass rusher. And you mentioned it, he, if you go back and look, two of those sacks, one of Wagner's and then the one that uh, Robinson had, both of those, the initial pressure was Reed coming free on a blitz and then quarterback having to move and moving right into a sack. So he did a lot of things well, six tackles, interception. I really think you know whenever both guys are healthy, the, the competition is very much on for that nickel spot. What do you think of the play of Quentin Dunbar this year? I know he had some trouble getting healthy, but I thought, man, that touch on Jarek McKinnon, I've been talking about that all week on the two-point conversion attempt. Had he not gotten his hand down there, that would have really changed the game, and I feel like he's improved a little bit as he's gotten healthier. Yeah, he has. I and mean, As you mentioned, he missed a couple games early, and it took him a little while to get going, but... He's had, you know, he had the one interception, and he's been around the ball a bunch. He could have three or four interceptions right now, and you hope eventually they'll start coming for him. But he had another one last week where he made a nice play on the ball and just couldn't quite corral it. But it, the the play you mentioned at the goal line on the two point conversion was huge. He's, you know, they they went out and got him this offseason for a reason. He's been a really good coverage guy, and if he can stay healthy, that that was kind of the knock on him coming here, and he did miss the two games. But if he can stay healthy the rest of this year, I think we're just going to see him continue to get better and give them a really high-end cornerback on that side of the field. And I say that side, but part of the value is he can play both. We saw him, he switched to the left side with Shaquille Griffin out, so he can move around for you as well. 
He is Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. You can hear him every single Thursday on the huddle right here. John, thanks so much for joining us. Of course. Happy to do it. Thank you guys for having me. Bye, John. Uh, All right, we're going to step over enemy lines, you guys. We're going to get an opponent preview with ESPN Bills reporter Marcel Louis-Jacques. That's next on The Huddle. Welcome back to The Huddle with Tom Wassel, Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us right now for an opponent preview is Bills writer for ESPN, Marcel Louis-Jacques. Marcel, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Good. We appreciate you taking the time. My first question is a pretty obvious one. It's going to be about Josh Allen. First four weeks of the season, he's on fire. He's part of the MVP conversation. Last four weeks, not quite the same performance with varying degrees of success. Was there a kind of switch that happened with him starting in week five or or something that happened over specifically the last two weeks, or has it just been kind of two off games? Um, I don't know if it's something that's happened with him specifically as much as it is teams kind of figure out uh, they figured out the strength of this offense and they more or less starting with Tennessee sold out to limit the downfield passing and limit the big plays and Josh Allen struggled at first through that through the first two games of that being patient and, and trying not to I guess do too much and be that guy that he was the first four games. And he really had to remind himself, as he tells us, to stay patient and to take those underneath routes and and take whatever the defense gives him. And eventually it'll open things up for the downfield passing. So I think he's more or less, he's the same passer mentally. Um, I I don't know if, uh, I I think he's still learning how to beat this zone coverages, but uh, he, he didn't play too poorly over the past four weeks. Still had that 300 yard game against the Jets. And uh, he actually wasn't even horrific against the Titans. He wasn't as bad as that final score would suggest. Mm. But uh, I I think this is a game, especially considering Seattle's pass defense, uh, I think this is a game where we see kind of an aerial, more of an aerial attack than we've seen in weeks past. Hey, Marcel, I want to ask you about uh, Jordan Poyer. Kind of interesting. He didn't really have a home for a while. He was in Cleveland, Philly. And, boy, the last four years with uh, Buffalo, he's on pace for – 140 tackles and um, just playing really well all over the field. But I want to ask you just in general about him and, and this defense um, has, I mean, I, I, I don't know, it, they're kind of middle-of-the-pack defense. What's been kind of the story there? It, that's, been the, that's been the story out of Western New York these first eight weeks is what is going on with this Bills defense that we've come to know as an elite unit in the NFL. But I mean, first and foremost, they're just not, they're not healthy. Uh, when you look at the, the starters and, and their key bench players, their, their key reserves, I don't really think they've all been healthy in the same game hmm. at all this season. Maybe, I think, a series, one defensive series against the Raiders in Week 4. So there's that. They're missing star Lulele. They're one-tag defensive tackle. They've struggled to replace that kind of space-eating player that that opens up rushing lanes for for his teammates and uh you know they've also been playing some they've played some pretty good offenses tennessee and kansas city are nothing to stop at uh miami has proven to be you know more formidable of an opponent than i think a lot of people gave them credit for and then the rams are are the rams but uh poyer he's he's special in that uh it's not just it's not just him it's that combination of him and Micah Hyde that gives Buffalo one of the, 
uh, one of the underappreciated safety duos in the league, and especially against a team like Seattle, who's got a guy like DK Metcalf and, and a quarterback like Russ who can stretch the field. Those two, that's their deep ball deterrent. That's Buffalo's deep ball deterrent. And uh, it's critical to get both of them on the field at the same time. Marcel, as you're looking at this game, what are some of the key matchups in your mind as you're looking at this through a, you know, obviously a Buffalo Bills lens? What's some of the keys there as you're looking at it? Uh, first and foremost, they've got to be able to, they've got to be able to take advantage of the Seahawks pass defense. And even with the addition of Jamal Adams, um, it, it's not an excuse because they've seen plenty of Josh, er, of, of Jamal Adams. He, he was in their division for the past several years. Uh, so they've got to be able to exploit that through the air. Uh, I'm also want to see how the Seahawks run defense, uh, or other way around, how this Bills rushing offense handles the Seahawks run D that's allowed, I think, just three teams to, to break that 100-yard mark this season on the ground. Uh, they've been resurgent of late. The Bills' rusty, or offense has been resurgent of late, but can they keep that momentum going against what's been a pretty stout Seahawks D? Marcel, I'm sure Bills fans are relieved to have Brady out of the division. And so, you know, we're, we're seeing New England sort of lose their stranglehold on the AFC East gradually here. But I'm just curious, does that inject any confidence into the Bills players at all? Like, do they look at this as their time? This is their division now? They do. And, you know, a lot of people, even in that, September range and, uh, and and maybe even late in the preseason when the the how deep can they go? Is this an AFC title contender? Blah blah blah. When all that talk was swirling, the Bills were focused on one thing, and that was winning the AFC East. And especially without Tom Brady and with the Patriots clearly having a uh, clearly in, in a down year, uh, they figured that the iron they got to strike while the iron's hot, and that's why they went out and made that move for Stephon Diggs because they know, hey, this is these windows don't always open up. You just never know in the NFL when you can get locked into a 20-year dynasty. So whenever there's a crack in the window, you got to do whatever you can to throw that thing open. Hey, Marcel, what's the latest with Buffalo's injury situation? Are there any starters you're watching the progress over this week? Well, you know, it's actually funny you mentioned that. The injury report just came out as you said that. Um, it's like I knew it right was now coming. as far as starters go. It's, it's clairvoyance right there. <laughs> uh, it looks like Micah Hyde turned in a full practice today. He was in concussion protocol. Um, it looked like he was in stage four of it yesterday. He removed the red jersey today. That suggests, like the injury report says, a, uh, a full participation. Cody Ford starting left guard limited again. Um, starting center Mitch Morse did not practice, but he did do some work onto the side. He's also in concussion protocol. Uh, linebacker Matt Milano, also second straight DNP with a pictorial injury. That's major going up against a pass-happy team like Seattle. Matt Milano is the Bills. Uh, he's their best pass coverage guy in the middle of the field, pass coverage linebacker in the middle of the field. Uh, I mean, the list just kind of goes on from, from there. Quentin Jefferson rotates a lot in. I know y'all are very familiar with him up in Seattle. Um, he was limited today. John Brown came back in full. Um, you know, he's been battling injuries. And uh, as far as starters go, that, that's, that's about it. So, yeah, I don't know if, if y'all could, uh, could retain all of those names. And uh, <laughs> we'll it, it's crazy to think because <laughs> last year, 
last year, like week 12, week 13, you're looking at these injury reports for the Bills, and they're maybe a name or two deep. And one of them is going to be a vet rest day. And so this is something that they have not had to deal with over the past couple of seasons. All right. He is Marcel Louis-Jacques. He's a Bills reporter for ESPN.com. If you want to follow him for some updates, Hawks fans, that's what I'm doing. Follow him at Marcel underscore LJ. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. All right, we're going to take a look. We're back in Seattle now looking at this offensive line with Ray Roberts. That's next in the trenches on The Huddle. This is The Huddle, every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Tom Wassel, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us right now, former offensive lineman and host of the Seahawks pre- and post-game show, Ray Roberts. Ray, how are you? I'm all right, Stacey. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, gosh, there's so much I want to cover with you because you're so great at this in-depth stuff. So I'm just going to get started uh, with the left guard situation. If Mikey Potty can't go again, uh, who's their replacement there? How's he been? Well, you know, uh, Simmons has been a plan in place of Potty, and I know that every now and again they've sprinkled in uh, Jones. But I think, you know, with more reps and the, and what I've seen from Simmons, he's getting a little bit better uh, from game to game. Uh, he's he's not, you know, tearing the world, setting the world on fire, but he's also not, you know, been a, a detriment to what the Seahawks are trying to get done on offense. So I've been pleased with him. The big thing always with him is his injuries, and so so far he's been able to stay healthy enough to fill in for Yupati in that spot. Uh, and I think he brings a little bit, you know, obviously Yupati brings like the experience and just his girth and, and power. But uh, I think, you know, with his age, he's obviously not as athletic as he used to be. And so I think Simmons brings some of that athleticism to that position and to that spot on the offensive line. Big Ray, do you think this can be a dominant run team? Do you think that they can they can you know, develop into that? Well, you know my mindset, Dave. Even if I don't think that, I think that. <laughs> You're going to go out there and block somebody, you aren't you? You will it into existence. Yeah. I just always want to drive people into the ground, dude. That's just part of the that's just part of the the job description for that position. And so uh, I think though that you know obviously last week was a, a hard week uh, game to judge them on with uh, with you know with the DJ Dallas having to play uh, that spot with all the injuries and things and him just trying to get his feet wet, it been a rookie and learning how to uh, take the reps in this offense and carry that responsibility. But from what I see. Uh, they have definitely, as a unit, uh, elevated themselves to more middle-of-the-pack offensive lines in the, in the NFL. They've become very efficient at protecting Russell, and when Chris Carson and, and their horses are in running the ball, they've shown uh, the ability to uh, move people, uh, to, to create some lanes for, for some big plays, but also just get those three or four or five-yard uh, uh, gains that are necessary to kind of keep the defense honest. So as far as being dominant i don't know that i don't know if they're right in the in a position to step into dominance but been efficient and just and been and been a real asset for sure one one thousand percent for sure for sure like if you think about even uh you know shell at right tackle he's another guy who if you look at his grades on pro football focus they're not gonna wow you or anything but you compare him to what was there before and he's not doing anything to hurt the team uh he, he's not piling up penalties especially untimely penalties or before the snap penalties or personal foul penalties and those types of things. 
And so that's a that's a positive there, just in in knowing that 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 position is consistent. You know what you're getting there. And then Damian Lewis is just becoming every week becoming more and more dominant, more and more comfortable. I think uh, you know learning how to use his hands a little better, you know his uh, hand placement better, and then moving his feet a little bit on and pass protection uh, is some some areas he needs to improve on. But he's a dude that shows that that has shown that he can improve on those things. And then the guy that we don't talk a whole lot about is Posick. And you know Posick to me is uh, is learning on the job. He's been one of those dudes they've moved around a lot, and his injuries and all that types of things have kept him out of the lineup. But he's just, he's kind of quietly having a pretty solid game. I watched him a lot last week, just in the middle, just how he managed himself, how he managed the offensive line, how he handled like his uh, you know single up blocks, how he's working on double teams. But the thing that I really like to look for, Dave, is like the busy work. So when you're in pass protection or run blocking, you don't really you know you don't have an assignment to get to, but you find someone to go freaking lay some some uh, some lever on. Like that kind of busy work, this whole entire offensive line has. And I love that. So when you're freed up as a pass protector and, and someone is stretched out, you know, bull rushing the, 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 the guard and you're the center and you go give them a nice rib shot, that's fine and work, bro. Like, and I, I love that. I love when, when, when I see dudes doing that on offensive line, that means they're an offensive lineman. They're not dudes that are learning how to play. They're not transitioning from defense to offense. These are dudes that are career offensive linemen and they know how to do the work you know what that does is it causes fights to happen out on the field as ray roberts knows and yeah i love it too i love it too ray there this is a question that i've been uh, waiting to ask you uh to this point of the season i've had this one in the chamber uh for you uh dwayne brown everybody has been the, the, the talk about dwayne brown and his future in seattle was hey you got to find somebody of the future. You got to find somebody to replace Dwayne Brown. And I am curious to see what you see from Dwayne Brown this year in particular. Do you not only see a a very solid left tackle, one of the best in the in the game right now, but do you see a guy who is aging, who's losing his step, any of that that would make you question his future long term here in Seattle? I will say this, Jake, at the at uh, at certain points during last year, especially during the end of the season, I was starting to think to myself, like, man, like, this dude might be, you know, as great as he is, he might be getting, you know, he may be getting really close to the end because he didn't seem like he was moving as fluently as he normally did. Uh, he was getting beat by some uh, some moves that you wouldn't normally see him get beaten by. Uh, but then you look at all the little Nick Nagy injuries he's had and how that may have slowed his game down then it kind of makes sense because the big difference that really changed my perspective on that this year is when they started pulling him around the corner. And like, so now they, they, you know, they, they're running the ball to the left side. They're blocking down with an outside receiver tight end. And then they're pulling him around the corner to lead the offensive, the, the running back that says that this dude is primed and he's feeling good. And, and he's at an all pro football level. And so when I see that, then I'm more encouraged that he has, at least another couple of years under his belt if he can stay healthy. Because when he's healthy, to me, he's still one of the top three or four left tackles in the league uh, because the dude is just powerfully, uh, real powerful in the run game. He's real uh, easy and fluid in the, in the, in the pass, pass protection. And so what I see is, a, is almost like a rejuvenated Dwayne Brown. And I think a lot of that is based on him just feeling really a lot better, just physically. His knees, his knees feeling better, his ankles feeling better. Them managing his practice reps and things like that allowing him to be in a fresher spot when the when the um 
when the games come around. So what I see this year is a Dwayne as a return to the old uh, or the 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 more effective dominating Dwayne Brown that we that we were used to seeing when we first got him. And like I said this past weekend, uh, you know, the, Dwayne Brown is just one of those dudes that like when 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 you sit when you come to the sideline, you come in the huddle as an offensive lineman, like especially a young dude, you'd like to be able to connect eyes with somebody that knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs> and when you look at Dwayne Brown, he knows what he's doing. And he brings a lot of comfort in that and in, in the offensive line room and knowing that. It brings a lot of comfort to the to the to the huddle in that. And then and then and then he's another dude you just don't want to make angry. <laughs> like I said, like when even he walks, I feel like the grass is like going like, Oh my God, please don't come my way. The dude just <laughs> it's just a, he's just a big, scary, physical dude. And uh, and I think he's doing really good work this season. Ray, as you know, uh, tight end blocking at times during Pete's tenure here has been, I'll say, questionable at best. Have you gotten a feel or a sense for guys like Olsen and Hollister and Disley and how they're blocking on the other side of the line? Well, the, the thing I like about uh, Olsen is that, you know, Olsen isn't going to dominate anybody, but the dude is an old crafty veteran, so he knows how to get himself positioned and, and in order to be effective, and he's also a willing blocker. And uh, and so I see the same thing in uh, Disley. Like Disley's calling card was as a, a blocking tight end, and so I think he's very uh, efficient at that. And blocking, being a blocker, is not a big deal to him. I think the biggest surprise for him is how well he's been able to run routes and and catch the football. And then um, and then Hollister, Hollister, I think is uh, I don't know if he's a very effective blocker, but he's a, he's also a willing blocker. And so part of it has been is understanding that's part of what you have to do and then going about it the same way you go about, you know, running routes and catching the football. And those guys seem to be committed to doing that. Are they the best pass block? I mean, run blocking tight ends in the league? No, they're not. But, but do they do well enough for this, for them to be effective with this offensive line and this running scheme? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Sue. Uh, when you're, we know that not having your name called is a sign of a good game, right? Like you don't want to be hearing an <laughs> offensive lineman call. But when I'm watching Damian Lewis, for instance, what's a sign that I can watch for and think like he's having a good game? Because sometimes those stats are like quiet. You know what I mean? So like what can I see yeah. physically to the eye where I think like this looks like a good performance from this rookie? Well, the, the one thing that you can look the, look at is in the run game, right? So the Seahawks like to run – this zone, this zone blocking scheme. So that really zone blocking just means that you're trying to create double teams at the point of attack so that you can account for the defensive lineman like slanting in a different direction and still get up to the linebacker and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't mean that you're not playing power football because you're running zone plays. But in order for the zone scheme to work, the guard and the, the, the two guard position in the center have to be really strong. They have to be able to create movement. They have to more than anything, not allow penetration. So in a run, in a, in a, in a running play and you're watching Damian Lewis, if he just has a stalemate and the dude and the person he's blocking isn't coming across the line of scrimmage, he's winning that he's winning that block. A stalemate goes to the freaking offense. Okay. And pass protection. One way to know that even not just Damian Lewis, but the center and the other guard uh-huh. are doing well is the depth of the pocket is there. So when you get this this pressure from the outside and Russell, Russell's been able to step up in the pocket and still have room to throw the ball or have a, a place to escape, then that is telling you that those interior dudes, those three, the center and the two guards, are doing what they're supposed to do. And pass protection, the guards and the center create the depth of the pocket and the, the tackles create the width of the pocket. 
And so in, when those moments when the width of the pocket collapses and there's room for the quarterback to step up, then the, the two guards in the center are doing their job. And so we've seen that a lot with Russell. He's been able – a lot of times we were used to seeing him escape to the outside, but he's had several times this year where he's been able to escape up the middle or step up in the middle and make a pass or step up in the middle and buy some more time to make a throw. So to me, those are – if you just want a quick indicator as yeah. if those interior positions are doing what they're supposed to be doing, those are two ways to look at it. All right, that was In the Trenches with Ray Roberts. We learn something new every week, I swear. You can follow him at Big Ray Roberts. You can also hear him on the Seahawks pre- and post-game show this Sunday. And, of course, right here on The Huddle. Ray, thank you so much. Oh, no problem. I, I love coming on. I love that you guys have interest in the offensive line. Uh, <laughs> we do. <laughs> because I, I spend the whole you know pre-game and post-game show talking about DK freaking Metcalf. No, and, we're and, done with it. We're done with it. <laughs> It's not so, here, not on the huddle. Well, and we talked to a pretty boy quarterback yeah, on this show, we're done you know. With that. So no, we're talking the real hard work. We need to bring in, yeah, a real football player. And need to add a little toughness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks, Ray. All right, no problem. You guys have a good one. Hey, Ray. All right, we're going to be joined by the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, next on the, on the huddle. This is the huddle. Every Thursday from noon to two. The Huddle. Welcome back into The Huddle with Tom Wassel, Dave Wyman, Jake Keeps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us right now, the voice of the Seahawks, Seahawks play-by-play man, Steve Rabel. Rabes, hi, how are you? I'm good, Stacey. How are you? I'm good. So we obviously have great news for Seattle's defense this week. Not only do they have a chance to kind of have a prove-it game against the Bills' offense, but they're getting reinforcements with Jamal Adams expected to come back and also a debut of Carlos Dunlap. Are you expecting that much of an impact from him, or do you think he'll just be kind of a helping hand? I mean, what kind of overall impact on this team are you expecting for him? It's a good question. Had he been sitting out all this time, I'd probably have less uh, feeling that he would uh, come in and actually you know, do something uh, you know, really impressive right off the bat, although he's a terrific football player. But he's been even though he's been maybe not playing as much as he'd like to back in Cincy, especially the last couple of games, you know, he's gone all through training camp. He knows what he's doing. He's in good shape. He's ready to go. Uh, and even sitting for, what, a week or so under COVID just to make sure everything was okay, um, I think I think he'll play, and I think he'll make a couple of plays. I, I don't think he's going to play 30 snaps. I could be wrong, uh, but uh, I know that uh, I know that Pete likes him and John like him, likes him and, that big rangy guy. And, you know, when we talk about making plays, it doesn't necessarily mean he has to get sacks. When he stretches out that 6'6 frame and get those long arms up, just knocking passes down uh, would be quite helpful. Making uh, the quarterback, making Josh Allen throw around, um, you know, somebody who's got those long arms could be helpful for the defense. So I expect to see, uh, I expect to see him contribute. Steve, I forgot to tell you that I'm so sorry. This is my fault that you're, kind of in-booth partner Dave Wyman is here. I know you were looking forward to getting a break from him. You wouldn't have to see him until Sunday, but he is unfortunately here with us today for the Yeah, huddle. I'm going to have to go now. Take care, guys. <laughs> see ya. Thanks. Thanks so much, Steve. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Yeah, you can't escape me. Look, Rabel, the other day, I don't know if you realize you do this, you turn to me and goes, you go, Dave, you played the game. And I'm like, wait a minute, so did you. I mean, what? Well, are you embarrassed? And, and, and also, here's what I want to know. What kind of player was Steve Rabel? Were you like a smack talker? Were you angry? Were you? What were you like on the field? Let's, let's, 
what, what, what brought all this up? We're supposed to be talking about the Bills. Yeah. You know, See this dodge? About you, don't, you don't know anything about the Bills. Well, you're right. Actually. See, very elusive. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I know a little bit about it. No, I wasn't a smack talker at all. I, I, I was... Uh, I, was, I tried to just be a good team player when they called on me. I tried to I tried to do what they asked me to do and make plays. Try not to screw up too much. I was one of those guys, Dave, and I don't. I'm guessing you weren't this way, but I was one of those guys that was actually. Um, and this is bad for a football player, which is why I only lasted six years. But uh, I was I I was so uh, I so much didn't want to make a mistake that sometimes it kept me from making plays that I really should have made. But, uh, you know, you, you understand that. Yeah. You guys who played, you and Jake and, and uh, Stace, I think you played for a couple of years, Left too, uh, at least yeah. in college. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I just didn't want to make a mistake. I didn't want to let my teammates down and, and myself down. Um, so that was that was kind of one of my things about playing. But, I, you know, I was all right. I lasted for six years. But more importantly, it gave me a chance to get a good job out here, a couple of good jobs. I've been doing the same thing for almost 40 years, married to the same woman now for almost 40 years as well. And, uh, you know, that's, that's all good. That's the biggest upset in marriage history that Isn't Sharon has, Sharon has stuck it out with you Listen, for, I outkicked my coverage <laughs> on that one. I I promise you. <laughs> Rabes, I'll, I'll bail you out here and get you uh, focused here on the, on the game. Uh, the I don't know bills, about the bills. <laughs> okay. I know that is false. I know that is false with all the work that you do. But what are, what are some of the things that you look at with the Bills that presents a unique challenge for the Seahawks this weekend? You know, I was thinking about that, Jake. And, and we think about quarterbacks who can run the football, and we think about Kyler Murray, and, and we think about uh, Patrick Mahomes. But uh, we need to think about a guy like Josh Allen, and he's a completely different physical specimen than those other guys. At 6'5", almost 240 pounds, back in the day, Dave, when I played, he'd have been a defensive end or a tight end, and here he is a quarterback. Uh, and he, he, uh, he's not the most graceful in the world, but he, he can get outside. He can run that read-keep option. He can turn up field. He loves, uh, they, the Bills, love to run the quarterback draw, especially down in the red zone. Uh, and he'll bounce off of people. He's a big guy. He'll run over some folks. So that's one of the things that you notice right away. Uh, he's got a good arm. He, it's not the most accurate passer in the world, but he can he can definitely throw the ball downfield. Um, and, and I noticed that their defense, Jake, wasn't as as maybe dominating as they were just a couple of seasons ago. Remember, they were like rated near the very top of the NFL in defense, and now they yeah. geez against against the Patriots, they gave up a ton of yards. Uh, last week and and almost got beat there at home. So, you know, I I think they can be – there's some things the Seahawks can do against them, but they're still a really solid team. Do you think that there is a defense anywhere in the NFL this year, Steve, that can shut this offense, the Seattle offense, down completely? Because I don't. Completely, um, no. At least we haven't seen it yet. Right. and that doesn't mean that there's not one one doesn't exist or one that we've already seen, like Arizona that actually they did actually beat us or uh, well Niners they're they're kind of over now because of so many injuries. But the Rams we haven't seen them yet. So I think there are some things that that teams will try to do against us. You know you got to try to protect against the fact that Russell can take off and run the ball. Uh, and when you try to do that and just keep him in the pocket like we tried to do against Kyler Murray, 
and don't try to really rush him and put pressure on him, then uh, then he's going to pick you apart. So I think the, the teams like the Rams, who can really bring heat, and in fact, I think the Bills can bring some heat too. they got a couple of pretty good pass rushers uh, over on that left side. Uh, Dwayne Brown is going to be facing those guys, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. Both guys can rush the passer. So, you know, I think that's one of the ways that you, you kind of get to the Seahawks a little bit, force Russ off his mark. Uh, but short of that, uh, you know, he, he's just been so precise and his receivers have been so good. And think about it. For the last three weeks, four weeks, we really haven't had a rushing game going. Wait till we get those guys back and start running the football like we like to do. And now the defense is starting to come around and we're healthier. This is really going to start to get fun, I think. He is the voice of the Seahawks play-by-play man, Steve Rabel-Rabes. Thanks for joining us. Say hi to Sharon for us, too. I will. And she just had her birthday. And, oh, and happy all birthday, she, Sharon. Her, her birthday was on Election Day. And for those of you who know Sharon, there's only one present that she wants. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> she hasn't gotten it yet. Hopefully it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Thanks for joining us, Rabes. Okay, guys. See ya. All right, we're going to take a listen to some sound from Bills head coach Sean McDermott. Uh, What's he keeping an eye on when it comes to the Seahawks? That's next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into The Huddle with Tom Wassel, Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We are getting you guys ready for the Seahawks' upcoming game against the Buffalo Bills. And to do that right now, we're going to take a listen to some Uh, Audio from Sean McDermott, who had a conference call with reporters earlier today. Seahawks fans, you're going to like this one. Cut number four, he says that Seattle is the premier team in the NFL. I mean, it's obvious they they present a huge challenge. Uh, They won a Super Bowl, playing at a high level. I would say Russell's playing at at an all-time high, you know, probably MVP level. And um, they've got weapons, and and they scored a lot of points, just like you said. So, you know, it'll be a big, uh, big challenge for us defensively and as a team. Dave, if you're Sean McDermott, when you're looking at Seattle, it seems obvious, but are you looking at Russell Wilson as like, I need to watch out for this guy? Or is there another area of Seattle's program where you're thinking this could get us? Yeah, I, I call them extra meeting guys. Russ is an extra meeting. you got to have extra meetings. How are you going to handle him? And he mentioned Super Bowl. Wow, went back to 2013 there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean him and and I think also DK Metcalf is he is a very unique type of player. I mean, he's the size of a tight end or a defensive end and just incredibly athletic and you know, and they were talking about how oh, Tyler Lockett's really fast. Actually, DK Metcalf has a faster recorded 40. So, man, those two guys I think right there are probably, you know, you've got to pay special attention to them. <laughs> There's no doubt that those those three guys that you just mentioned are a problem for anybody in the league, and they do require extra meetings. They do require extra focus, and and the problem is, and what the Seahawks offense has been able to do is they've been able to create a pick your poison type of situation. I have waited for a game so far where a team is able to effectively take away both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and force Greg Olson, Will Disley. David Moore to have to step up consistently throughout the game. And one of the reasons why that hasn't happened yet, guys, is because they're just that good. (laughs) And cut number five, McDermott uh, makes it clear what he thinks the goal of the team should be on Sunday. You know, you got to figure out a way to, to, uh, to counteract what they do, right? I mean, they, they score a lot of points. We've got to, you know, 
do a good job on our offense and special teams units, keeping uh, keeping them off the field any way we can in terms of their offense. And sometimes that's your best defense is, is take, keeping the ball away from the opposing quarterback. And so, yeah, just overall a lot of respect for, for what they do and, and Russell Wilson on top of that. There hasn't been a team all year long that's been able to stop the Seahawks from scoring basically throughout any one of these entire games. So, yeah, he's right. Keep that offense off the field. I mean, here's the the thing. I was asking Rabel about these other teams' ability to, to shut down the Seahawks offense altogether. I don't think any team can do it. But even if you do, even if another defense comes along and just smothers them throughout the entire game, the Seahawks always have that quick strike ability right in their back pocket if they need it. Right, they're doing nothing all game, no running, no this, no that. All of a sudden, boom. Get bombed to Lockett, bombed to Metcalf. You can get 14 points just like that. So the, he's right. The more you can keep him off the field, the better. Yeah, you know, it's that's what's different, I think, about this offense, too, this year. is like I don't know how you guys felt. The first two possessions against the 49ers, I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. Is it going to be? I felt like it's going to change. What's going to be the changing point? Because yeah. there's no way this offense will stay this Well, like that's it. the way it is this year, but in years past, it oh, seemed like, absolutely. you know, when they, you know, have yeah. those problems, it's like, okay, this is not their day. Or yeah. we're going to have to wait till the fourth quarter and Russell's going to stage this a comeback. Um, and then, you know, you saw that in the first half of the Viking game, too. They couldn't really get it done. So, But that's been the difference is that, uh, you know, they've not waited until the fourth quarter to all of a sudden explode. And, you know, that all of a sudden they got that game, um, they got their, their offense going. And next thing you know, DK Metcalf, and he was the guy that, like, sparked the whole thing. He catches, what, a, like a five-yard little in route and turns it into like a 45-yard touchdown. Yeah, it is interesting as as Tom and Dave you bring that up. It, it this offense is one that's really very difficult to uh, keep out of the end zone the entire game. But the reason that Sean McDermott is mentioning this and wanting to keep the Seahawks offense off the field, it's, it's your best way to try and frustrate them. Look at the, what the Minnesota Vikings were able to do. And if you're Sean McDermott, that is the one game that actually limited the Seahawks offense for uh, an extensive amount of time. So what that makes me believe is that the Buffalo Bills are going to really try to run the football. They're going to really try to establish the run game. They're going to really try and get Josh Allen involved in the running game. So that will present a unique challenge for the Seahawks defense. Um, And because if you're in a situation, if you're the Bills, where you're trading points between Russell Wilson and Josh Allen, you're going to take Russell Wilson in that matchup every single time. And let's get back to DK Metcalf, too. He has 680 yards this season. He's second in the league in yards per game with just under 100. He also has seven touchdowns, which already matches his total from last season. The biggest critique of his last season was the drops. Well, he's also increased his catch percentage, and that's with an increased workload, more targets. He's uh, already over 50% of the total targets he had last year and just about 20 receptions shy of his total from last year. A phenomenal second season from him. and cut number six right here, McDermott knows that too. He was a great player in college. He's a great player now. You know, you see the, the strength, the speed, the height, the weight. What you see every week when you watch the highlights on Sunday night is, is what we're seeing when we're watching the coaches tape. So that, that in and of itself would be a big challenge, let alone in your entire offense. 
With DK, I mean, when you look at his improvement from a season ago to this year in terms of that catch percentage, it is the amount of work that he puts in, uh, that he put in this offseason uh, was outstanding. And the the self-discipline to look at his rookie year and say, no, I, although that was a good rookie year, I'm not going to be sitting back and, and you know feeling good about myself and feeling good about uh, the opportunity to continue to keep building and just expect it. He continues to work for it and you know making sure that he was better at catching the football was a huge priority to him this offseason the fumbles were a priority to him this offseason where you watched him work in the and seeing him down in San Diego where he was that was such a point of emphasis for him every single day every single catch every single time he caught the ball tucking it running with it securing the ball you know 10 15 yards after the catch just love the work ethic of this young kid how did that uh, thing, didn't they live together, Jake, over the offseason? Didn't uh, DK stay with Russ for a while? I'm just curious how that came yes. about. Yeah, he did. Uh, he, he And I think part I mean, did of he go to Russ to and go, hey, uh, can I can I live with you, man? And uh, Or yeah, how, did, how did that go? Well, I, Russell has always uh, extended invitations for everybody, uh, not to all stay at his house, but to yeah. come throw with him. And DK is one of those unique guys where it's like if you extend that invitation – He's gonna be there every single time, uh, you know. And I've had that moment with him myself. I before uh, the before training camp started, he he had me throw to him, um, and, and he's just he wants to continue to get the work no matter what. And so, hey, if Russell Wilson extends that invite, you better believe that DK is gonna be start. He's not only gonna show up, but he's gonna bring his bags and he's gonna move in with you because <laughs> he wants to take advantage of the work and and get in as much as possible. And I think that. You know, the, the month to two months that they spent together throughout the offseason, I mean, it's paid off in a huge way. Now, we've been talking about the Bills. We've been talking about how the Bills see the Seahawks. We're going to get back to the conversation about the Seahawks defense because they have been dealing with a series of injuries all season long, some of those more serious than others. Bruce Irvin lost for the season in Week 2. Marquise Blair lost for the season in Week 2. You've had... uh you know, Quandre Diggs ejected for a game. You've had Quentin Dunbar dealing on and off with a knee issue. Obviously, Jamal Adams, the one we've all been watching with his groin issue. But guess what? You're going to get reinforcements this week. Jamal Adams, he's on track to return. Carlos Dunlap on track to make his debut for Seattle. How different will this defense look with those two on it? That's next in the huddle. This is the huddle. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to the huddle with Tom Wassel, Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Dave, let's just get right to it. We're talking about how different this defense is going to look like with Jamal Adams and Carlos Dunlap. How much work are we expecting for each of these guys, or rather, are you expecting? Because Jamal Adams is coming back from an injury. It's the first time playing since week three. Carlos Dunlap doesn't have an injury, but he's also with a brand new team. I mean, are we expecting kind of a limited participation for both guys? I would think Jamal Adams would be 100% of the snaps, you know, I feel like. But it seems like they really were cautious with him. And so I I think he's going to be a full go. And with with Dunlap, I would say maybe 45%, 50%. I feel like they're probably going to work him in a little bit more slowly. So do we have news on Benson Mayo, by the way? Have we... Not yet. Yeah, so, I mean, it depends a little bit there. They talked about him and how, you know, Benson Mayo has had, you know, some games with a lot of snaps. Usually you talk about rotating the big guys, the interior defensive tackles in and out. 
but uh, but yeah, the defensive ends too. I, I would think you know, and I, I would think Dunlap, you know, maybe fifty percent of the snaps would be something that because, like Pete said, like he he was playing just two weeks ago, so it's not like he's not in in game shape. So it's going to be, you know, uh, but I, I would think with Jamal Adams, I don't know what you guys think. I mean, I, I thought they waited long enough where he can be full go, and the, just the way Pete said it sounds like okay, he he's unlimited. Yeah, I picked up the same thing, too. I mean, I think that at this point, when you have Jamal Adams, this is a situation where you look at it and and say to yourself, all right, you feel really good about Jamal Adams coming back this week and feeling confident, feeling like he can play himself and not really putting uh, any restrictions on what he can do this week, which is a huge positive. Dave mentioning Benson Mayowa, by the way. He didn't participate in practice yesterday because of an ankle injury, so that's why we're keeping an eye on him. Uh, Obviously because he plays that same Leo position, as does Carlos Dunlap. We have about a minute left here. Would you mind just explaining? I I feel like so many fans already know, but just for those that don't, what is the position specifically that they're looking at for Dunlap, that Leo spot? Well, I just think they're going to get him on the field. I mean, I I feel like he can be, yeah. I mean, I think Carlos, we're putting you at safety. Is that okay? Yeah, he can play, he can play on both. You know, it's interesting. I'm actually doing the Pete Carroll thing today and I was going to ask him about the history of the Leo, because I believe in San Francisco, it was called like the elephant or something like that. So, and I think it was Fred Dean and Fred, Fred Dean just passed away. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was kind of kind of sad, but um, I had a Fred Dean T-shirt when I was in high school. It was like a little cartoon picture of Fred Dean number seventy-four, and I think that's kind of where the whole thing originated. But I'm going to talk to Pete about it. But you know, usually it's like a Cliff Averill, you know, Bruce Irvin type of the Leo position. It's kind of the quick twitch guy who comes off the edge, and then the other guy's more you know able to take on a tight end and a tackle, the five technique, which is just outside shade of the of the tackle. So, um, yeah, I, I just think get, just get him on the field. It doesn't matter, you know, what he's just a good football player. Yeah. Um, all right. We Speaking of good football players, we've got two Seahawks joining us next, cornerback Quentin Dunbar and rookie running back DJ Dallas. That's next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle, every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. All right. Seahawks practice just wrapping up. Uh, so we are going to be joined in just a little bit. Um, before we do that, though, (laughs) let's get back to a conversation about this defense. We cut that one a little bit short. So can we get back? I I literally had someone on the text line text in and say, Dave, can you explain quick Twitch? And I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you that question. Let's get back to a football (laughs) Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. I don't know. Just that they're more of a speed rusher. And you know the you'll see him uh, coming off the edge, and you know just a guy like and and the the other guy on the the other side the five technique, which it's just a numbering system. You know starts in the middle with zero, head up on the guard is two, head up on the tackle is four, inside is four eye, outside is five. Yeah, it's just a little, and some people do it differently how the the numbering system works. But the guy on the other side, who's the defensive end in the five tech, he's more of a bigger guy, like a Rasheem Green type, you know, uh, Everson Griffin, who was with, uh, you know, he he was on he was on that side, and then they had Daniil Hunter on the outside, where you know you're trying to get that guy just soloed up on a tackle. And, you know, a lot of times they'll chip with the back if the guy's a problem, but you're trying to get him sold up and he's going to make quick type of, uh, you know, pass moves, swim, rip, spin, all of those kinds of things. And just a, a gifted, you know, faster guy 
that that comes off the edge. And that was the kind of weird thing with Clowney is he was really more of a five technique guy than he was um, a guy that would would rush off the edge. And you know, I always think back like to the days when I played Rufus Porter. A lot of people remember him. He was just incredibly fast and just you know had good quick hand movements, great feet, and could beat you. Just be a really good athlete and beat the tackle off the edge is what. Is what I mean there. We're going to be joined here in just a bit by cornerback Quentin Dunbar and running back DJ Dallas for some back-to-back interviews. Uh, Jake, when you look at the way that the Bengals were using Carlos Dunlap versus how you think Pete Carroll and the Seahawks plan to use him, do you expect more productivity in the second half of this season for him? Yes, I do. Uh, I, I that expect comes more... With more snaps, but. Well, it comes with more snaps, but more so than anything else. I mean, you're at some point when you're a player, and Dave can tell you this. The attitude of the player, the attitude of the situation also determines your output, right? It's not just about your your physical ability. It's about your desire. It's about your love of the game. And so when you are in a situation where you're A, your reps are being demoted, B, you're at war with the, the coaching staff and the organization, it, it becomes drudgery. And you're not playing to the standard and, and giving the effort in which you normally would. And ha- and he has been giving for nine seasons in this league, being highly productive. So I think at some point he said, all right, I got to I gotta find a way to get out, get out of this situation and make it extremely difficult. And now he's in a situation where he feels valued. He's excited. He's being put in a role that he knows very intimately. Um, and so I think it is going to lead to, uh, you know, a success uh, for him and for this team. Yeah, sometimes I think guys end up joining teams that appear to be Super Bowl bound and they think like, oh, well, I'm going to be a, a depth player and I might not be, you know, I may just be playing special teams. I'm just kind of a hanger on trying to get a ring. But in this case, with a guy like Dunlap, I mean, they have a very obvious need for him there. You know, they're not calling him here just to say, all right, give us what you can and go out in a blaze of glory. I mean, they really need that type of production. They need what he can give to them. Uh, there's a specific reason why they went after him and not other guys. So I hope he's coming here with a very defined purpose. And I hope Pete and he have that discussion before he takes the field. I'm sure he will. Let's take a look at that secondary too. Jamal Adams also coming back. Uh, Ryan Neal, you guys, he's dealing with a hip injury, so he's limited. But presumably uh, Adams will retake that starting position. I mean, we all know that. But presumably he'll be playing, like you said, Dave, 100% of the time. So you aren't really going to see Ryan Neal out there in a relief role. Do you think there's still a, like a space for him on this team? Because if I were to ask Seahawks fans in week one who's Ryan Neal, most of them wouldn't know. And this isn't a dig at Ryan Neal. He was on the practice squad. And I think most folks aren't keeping a close eye on who's on the practice squad. Now most fans have just kind of fallen in love with his story. Do you think there's still a role for him on this team somewhere? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, look, he. Yeah, I'm trying to say this the right way. I mean, you, you see kind of the limitations that he has. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons, one of the indications was, you know, I said that in the fourth quarter they made lots of mistakes. You could see him, you know, slapping his hands together after, you know, things that he, you know, didn't do. Um, you saw him, like, blitz off the edge and just sort of make contact with the running back but not be able to tackle him. Jamal Adams tackles him. You know, so, I mean, I think he has his limitations, but he he can continue to get better, that's for sure. And he's been a good player, you know, uh, not great like Jamal Adams. And I think you'll see a difference when, when Jamal Adams. And that's not a dig on Ryan Neal. I think he's he's got a fantastic story. And, again, he'll get better and better as he gets more playing time. He just hasn't gotten any playing time. 
up until this point anyway. Right. And, and, and so when you look at Ryan Neal, what it does give for you, you know, Dave, as, as you're pointing out, is somebody that you feel like you can rely on, someone that you know that's going to come in and has had that experience. And one of the other things that will be interesting, Dave, I, I'm curious if they find who's going to be that dime package because that was something that they – at the beginning of the year, if you remember, uh, Lano Hill was yeah. playing, and and they kind of got away from, right, uh, because of the injuries. But it looks like they've kind of gotten that depth back in the secondary between Ryan Neal, between Ugo Amadi, and now DJ Reed. Do you think you could find them potentially going back to some of those dime packages? Yeah, I like what I saw to DJ Reed. I mean, he he really looked yeah. good. So I, I think he can be that guy. Game, that's what that was. <laughs> yeah, that's right. His old team. Well, and I think... I don't want to say Schneider pulled a fast one, but you know, signing him off their practice squad, I think they they uh, they definitely didn't want that to happen. You know, while we're talking about this secondary, we might as well bring on cornerback Quentin Dunbar. Quentin, how are you? How you doing? Good, good. Um, well, I'm going to just start by saying I know you can't tell us all about the conversations uh, that y'all had last week, but we clearly saw just a defense that was just on fire going out against the San Francisco 49ers. Clearly you guys were focused on bouncing back from a loss, but it looked like you guys were playing with just a different kind of energy. It was fun to watch. Were there conversations you guys had? I mean, what was the difference in that week? Uh. Just, uh, just trying to get better, man. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say we just we had conversations. Just everybody, who uh, with their inner com- competitiveness, just trying to go out there, and, you know, and uh, try to turn his defense around. Hey, Quentin. Uh, one of the things I've really loved watching is you're good against the run, man. Especially uh, was in Atlanta, uh, a couple of those edge plays that you diagnosed. It looks like you, number one, you take a lot of pride in your your run game, and and also uh, just uh, how, how rewarding is that versus coverage? I mean, do you, do you like uh, playing the run as much as the pass? Uh, man, this, that's just part of being a pro, man. I take uh, you know try to take. Uh, every little nugget into the game and, you know, and just be a pro about the situation. I mean, as much as I like defending the pass, I got to feel the same way without uh, about, about the run, man, because that's what the good ones do. Now, Quentin, as, as, you're, as you were preparing to get ready to, to be a part of the Seahawks organization, you know, what was kind of your mindset coming in here and, and how has it been, you know, gelling with this new group of guys? Because it's all it's it's difficult. It, it, everybody kind of talks about how it's just, oh, we add this player and it's going to automatically gel. It's going to automatically come together. But there's a lot of work that goes into it in terms of learning a new system, learning your new teammates. How has that process been for you? Uh, I mean, obviously I had a, a little situation, so I got in late. So, I mean, um, not being able to have OTAs and things like that, you just you know you um you know come, and then coming in late, you just you know pretty much learn things on the fly. So you know you just got to try to get uh, better each and every week, and um you know and, and then as much as reps you get throughout them weeks, you should be you know getting better. So that's what I mean. Just trying to do, just trying to just continue to get better. Quentin, how stressful was that whole situation for you? I mean, it, you know, it popped up and then you had to get ready for football. Can you just describe how that might have wore on you mentally? Uh, I mean, yeah, it wore on me mentally, man. But I know I'm a firm believer of God, man, and I talk to him every day. So, man, with him, I, I feel no evil. So uh, God got me through uh, through a lot of those days and a lot of those nights. So pretty much it. Quentin, who are some of the guys that you've bonded with here? Uh, new guy coming in here that uh, that you've had. I know there's not a lot of hanging out these days, but uh, who are some of the guys that uh, that you hang with on the team? 
I mean, pretty much the whole team, man, from the offensive side and defensive side. Obviously, I grew up with Geno. I went to um, middle school with Geno, so, I mean, I, I kick it with him. I mean, uh, the Griffin brothers, I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm um, a pretty easygoing guy, so, man, I just kick it and laugh with everybody, man. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, no, <laughs> so that's pretty much it. Quentin, uh, when when you're looking at how you're preparing for the Buffalo Bills, what is the unique challenges that they bring to the table, and how are you guys kind of talking through? You know, obviously you're not going to give us the game plan or anything, but you know, what are the challenges that they bring to you, and and what is what is that that you're looking forward to? Uh, I don't really necessarily going in the game um, thinking what um, the offense, uh, the challenges they bring to us. As long as we do our things the right way and be technical sound. You know, and focus on our keys, man. Nobody can, um, you know, beat us. So that's it's more of a focus on you thing. You do your things right, and it'll take care of everything else. Quentin, one play I've been talking about all week long was the uh, the touch you got on McKinnon on that two point conversion attempt by San Francisco. There, if you didn't get that down as quick as you did, that's a much much different game. Is that just reflex from a veteran player on your part, or did you could you see that he hadn't gotten across the goal line yet? I mean, just um, uh, just having vision, man. I mean, I'm I'm a big vision guy, and um, obviously we was in man, so I came off my man late and just tried to make a play. So I mean. Uh, one of my uh, gifts is, as a football player is, is able to read concepts and have vision and see different things uh, and process it fast. So, like I said, we was in man, and me understanding that, you know, they um, put the uh, wide, uh, half back out wide to, to set up a pick play. I just came off my man and just tried to, you know, stop him from getting to the goal line. So that was pretty much it. It's a great play. All right, Quentin, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate the time. Good luck this Sunday, okay? All right, appreciate you. All right, that was cornerback Quentin Dunbar you were just hearing. You guys, I'm excited to see a healthier version of this secondary this weekend. That sounds really obvious. Like, obviously, Seahawks fans are happy to see a healthy secondary, but I feel like we haven't really seen the type of team that we were expecting, and it is hard not to lean into injuries as kind of an excuse there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and you look at uh, Quentin. I mean, that had to have been... Um, you know, the, the question you asked, Tom, I mean, that had to have been a huge stressful thing for him, you know, working out and just getting your mind right and everything. And then I believe he had a funeral that he had to go to. And so it's been kind of tough for him. And then his knee has been kind of bothering him. But yeah, when those guys can play together and again, I'll go back to what Pete keeps saying about this defense that they just need to play together a little bit more. And, you know, if you can get him out there consistently with Jamal Adams, you know, Quandre Diggs is yet to have like the the big game, you know. He's had a couple of hits and, and things like that, but he hasn't really you know, had uh, some of those games like we saw last year, like L.A., where he has two interceptions. And then, you know, and then Shaquille, now all of a sudden he's, you know, got the concussion and the hamstring or ankle or whatever it is. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been – and I, I'm sure everybody else is going through this too, but I, I just feel like this defense, these guys need to work together. They do need to work together, and, and getting that chemistry is so important. We talk about that in different – 
you know, different spaces, quarterback to uh, pass catchers. We talk about that offensive line working together. And really the secondary is another huge uh, group that needs to have trust, needs to build trust with one another to work well together and to be able to instill that confidence to play at the highest level possible and to make it difficult on opposing offenses. And so to, to get this group together and to be able to establish some of that, it will be really fun to watch. Switching to the other side of the ball, your offense with another great performance, chief among those by Rookie running back DJ Dallas, who had two touchdowns, one of them his first ever NFL touchdown. DJ joining us right now. DJ, how did that first touchdown feel? Uh, it was it was a moment. It was a moment, man. I, I really, really en- enjoyed that moment in, in my career, my being it be my first touchdown. But uh, yeah, I can only accredit God first and foremost, and uh, the O line for for blocking it up and Russ for delivering and Shoddy for, for calling the play. DJ, were you a little bit extra sore? That was a, that was a lot of reps for you, man. <laughs> uh, no, you know, you, you go, you, you recover, and, and then you back at it. So that's, that's a part of the game. That's a part of the game. DJ, you've done an outstanding job from the moment that you got here. You know, I've heard a lot of good things about you in terms of your your understanding, um, your your willingness to work, and and so what was it like for you to know that you were going to get a tremendous opportunity in terms of the workload and responsibility heading into this week in a big rivalry division game? Uh, so it's what you prepare for. Um, just I, like for me, I just try to come in every day and just. Just be the best pro that I can be, and um, just be on the little details, man. I know I had like a a mess up back in back against the Cardinals, and and I felt like I, I cost us the, the win or whatever. But uh, it's just learning from that, taking taking this stuff, and it's kind of being it's like being forged by fire almost, you know. So just kind of taking taking the the lessons learned and and applying it, and, and trying to be be the best that I can be every day. Do you put a lot of pressure on yourself to succeed? Are you one of those guys? Like, what, what's your personality like with respect to uh, preparation and expecting things from yourself? Uh, like I said, I, I don't like in practice. I take every rep as if it's a it's a game rep. Uh, I I try to do do all the things necessary to be prepared to be the most prepared person on the field um, come Sunday. So. I, I I take being prepared pretty pretty serious. Um, I take messing up pretty serious. Uh, I don't like to mess up. I, I I try to play the game as as perfect as possible with with a, with at least uh, amount of mess ups as possible. DJ, you sound like a veteran, man. Uh, who are some of the guys that you look up to on, on this team that uh, that have helped you become a pro? Uh, Bobby Wagner. Uh, he's been a big influence on me, uh, just with our many talks that we have. Um, Russ, Russ from day one has been, he's been my big brother, man. He, he's t- taking me under his wing and, and just kind of, kind of groomed me for, for what his thought in his head of, of what my role is going to be on this team. And I don't, like I told, uh, everybody before, I don't care if I'm the water boy, I'll do whatever, you know, so. Uh, yeah, those those two guys, uh, KJ Wright, uh, Travis, Travis, just me and Travis having that relationship uh, from uh, Miami, you know that that's been a, a big blessing too. So yeah, those guys, just just to name a few vets, uh, especially the running back room. Our running back room is is deep, and 
and with the vets that we have, Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde, uh, those those guys, Nick Ballore even, they they kind of they give me a hard time a lot of times because they say I talk too much. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, those, those guys have been have been real real big impacts on on my uh, rookie season so far. <laughs> uh, DJ, it's it's always a tough that first rookie year as you're as you're going through it and getting all the vets. You know, sometimes they give you a hard time, but this is one of the unique organizations. You know, being there in that building, DJ. Yeah, I know that it's it's one of those unique environments in the league. And what was that like for you? What were you expecting when you came in versus what ended up happening with all the guys that you just mentioned, just really truly, you know, wrapping their arms around you and welcoming you in. Uh, I was expecting. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. The league is is like super cutthroat, but I was expecting like the guys not to be like super friendly and <laughs> and uh, them to just kind of throw me to the wolves. And I was prepared for that. You know, I, that's what I, I had trained for in the off season and and just kind of got my mind like prepared to just be thrown to the wolves. But once I got here, it was just like a more family atmosphere. Like, I, and I've been talking to like. Some of my my close friends and, and my family members that played or play in the league, um, and they they were just telling me how different clubs were and all. But uh, here, they they just had they raved about it. Uh, I know one of my good friends, Justin Coleman, played here, and um, he was just telling me how how uh, the culture is different here, and I was going to enjoy enjoy playing here. So I, uh, it beat my expectations for sure. DJ, that's really good to hear. We're, we're glad that you found more of a familiar atmosphere that, than you were expecting. And good luck this Sunday, okay? Okay, thank you. All right. He was expecting to be thrown to the wolves. <laughs> I'm glad that he well, wasn't. Yes. I'm glad he wasn't. He'll have, obviously, another chance to have a great game again against the Bills, uh, assuming he's going to get quite a few more snaps here. This has been The Huddle with Tom Wassel, Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Ross. Thank you so much for joining us on 710 ESPN Seattle.